Hi, welcome to Maritime Matters. My name is Captain Morgan DeWicke. It is a pleasure to have here with me today, Captain Janet Urbanowicz. She is a licensed captain who has been working in the industry for six years now, primarily doing deliveries. And she's a student of ours, and we're so excited to have her because we love to highlight women in maritime. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, captain Janet, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, my background is actually in healthcare. I became a nurse uh, pretty much out of uh, high school and um, through the, I did some clinical years and then I moved into management and then administration and I had a, just a wonderful 28 year career in the healthcare industry, but knew that I always wanted to be on the water and a captain. I had my boats, you know, along the way, but uh, really wanted to apply myself in that direction as a early retirement kind of uh, activity, if you will. And so um, got the license and met some great guys who were willing to take me on and mentor me. And six years later, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> so not really a retirement, but having fun no, at and least. and I never wanted to retire completely. I, I'm, I'm not one to sit around. I get bored very easily. So I started a little company called Nautical Freedom to do all of my recreational boating through to make it legitimate. And um, most recently, I established Windrun, which is my hopefully going to be the commercial side of the business to do some work in the windmill industry. So I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. Um, I know Orsted is looking to give primarily uh, minority and women sm small business owned companies uh, some grant money. Those grant uh, requirements have not come out yet, so I don't know what that looks like, but figured I'd be ready for when they were ready. And um, if that doesn't work out, I'll just dissolve it and, and it'll be done. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a fun bunch of years. I've learned so much. Uh, you know, boating is about experience. Right. So you can learn a lot in the classroom, but until you apply it and work with it every day, uh, that's really the teacher. So what's your journey been like over the past six years since you got your license? Um, where did you start out and where are you working today in the industry? So when I first got the license, I was just looking online to see what my opportunities might be. Um, <clears throat> the first year I worked for free with a guy named Captain Harry because uh, he was just, you know, literally showing me the ropes, if you will. Yep. And so I was happy to do that, you know, still working in healthcare, so money was not, you know, the real goal there. And um, at the same time, I found Marine Max, who teaches a course called Women on the Water. I called them up and I said, you know, do you hire women captains to teach this class? And they were like, oh, no, we don't have any women captains. So I was like, well, what if you hired me to teach the class? You know, we talked a little and all that. So I got in, uh, involved as a vendor with them. And I started working with them, uh, teaching this women on the water course. They also have docking for men, which I've done as well. Uh, and wound up getting connected with uh, their store in Summers Point, New Jersey. And they started using me for boat orientations and private lessons for customers. And from there, I just kept growing my network and getting more involved with things. And other Marine Max stores would call me. And then I got, you know, as I talk at marinas with people, you leave your business card and you hope they pass it on and all that good stuff. And so little by little, things started to blossom. 
Um, and now, last year I spent, uh, I think it was 172 days on the water, literally. Now, I was home a lot of that time, right? You go out with customers for a couple hours, you're home. Um, but I did a lot of delivery work as well. And so I've had, I've been very fortunate uh, to do this. I also left the healthcare world and uh, became a university professor at a local college. And in their nursing program at the graduate level is all online. Oh, great. And so it gives me that opportunity to still do this work, but be able to connect with students online when I have, you know, so usually mornings, nights, and if we're close to shore, all that stuff works out. So I've, I've had this amazing opportunity to piece my life together a little differently and uh, make it all work, which is great. So what is doing uh, deliveries like? For those listeners who don't know, um, mm -hmm. deliveries can actually be very difficult. Um, you're getting into an unfamiliar vessel. Um, you've mm -hmm. really got to know the systems extensively and be able to translate that knowledge very rapidly onto a, a, into a completely new scenario. So what, what is that like for those listening? So I would describe it as uh, hours of boredom offset by moments of terror. <laughs> so, <laughs> You get onto a new boat, you've never seen it before, uh, you've got to find battery switches, you've got to find the control panel, you've got to, you know, be able to set up the systems, and some boats are pretty standard, and some boats, the newer boats today, uh, azimuths, galleons, um, there aren't switches. It's all done electronically through touchscreens. Um, so getting on the boat, spending the first, you know, 30 minutes to an hour just trying to get oriented on your own, to those vessels and making sure everything works obviously making sure people didn't leave you know seacocks off or yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't for you know forget to put oil in this in the engine and all those basic things um, and then taking off from there is really about pre-planning mm -hmm. um, I carry an iPad I use Navionics and whenever I get called for a job because probably 90%, and it's getting less, really. It's probably less than 90% now, but in the beginning, it was almost 100%. I ne had never been to the places that people wanted me to take their boats. And so I would use Navionics in advance to really study the course. Mm -hmm. Any questions I had, I would reach out to my mentors, you know, for a little bit of their experience and knowledge. Um, look up the boat. It's fuel burn, uh, you know, bridge height, uh, all kinds of things, you know, in terms of specs for a boat. But all that work gets done up front, um, and then sometimes the job gets canceled, and you're like, okay, I just spent, you know, three hours doing a lot of work. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all part of that, you know, getting ready to go. So a lot of prep work. Additionally, transportation. Uh, has to be managed and you know at uh, the work I do I do all of this for myself I don't ask a customer to do this unless they want to um, but you know do I take a train or rent a car or take an uber or drive myself or hire somebody to drive me uh, to get to a marina uh, getting home same thing you know sometimes it's a plane sometimes it's a car rental so the transportation piece also understanding how far you can go every day so depending on fuel burn, you've got to kind of plot out, you know, where am I going to stop for the night? And one of the things I don't like to do, unless I have to and get caught in it, is run at night. Mm -hmm. um, there's enough things that can go wrong in the daytime. And so 
uh, running at night is is not something I do voluntarily. Right. It, there's just too many options for damaging a customer's boat, and that's the last thing you want to do. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of that. You know, a lot of pre-planning, getting on the boat, getting yourself oriented, having people around you that you can call on the way if something is funky uh, or it doesn't look like what you've planned. And... Um, and then just getting the job done safely and hopefully with uh, no issues. So when did you know in your lifetime that you wanted to be a captain? And did you ever feel like there was a barrier uh, to entry because you were a woman? Or did you feel like this was an inclusive industry and you would definitely encourage uh, other women who are interested in entering the industry to do so? So... I first wanted to become a captain in my early 20s, but of course, you know, you have family back then and you you're, you got a full-time job and I was trying to go to school and, you know, I couldn't fit everything into my life and so something had to give. So at that point, I let the captain thing go because what was I going to do with it at that point anyway? I really didn't have a clue. And I, I'm kind of a believer in, you know, everything in time in your life if you're willing to have the patience for it to happen. Um, I never let the dream go. And so when I got the captain's license this time, it was fairly amazing to me that right from the course, I was able to connect with people who then brought me along. Um, in terms of barriers, I've not really had too many barriers. There may have been instances where people didn't hire me because I'm a woman, but I don't know that. Nobody mm -hmm. ever said that to me, like we're not having a woman. Um, I do know that there are times when I would love to run a job, but, and these are people I know, so I can say this, you know, it's a good old boy fun thing that they do and they don't want a woman hanging around. So <laughs> that's fine. And I'm, and I'm good with that. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is to prove yourself in the industry. So in the beginning, I did a lot of flying by the seat of my pants. You know, I pretended I knew what I was, you know, talking about and doing. And, and at some of those situations, I was like, oh, I hope this goes well. Mm -hmm. You know, so I kind of was faking it till I made it. And now I'm, I'm no expert by any stretch. I mean, I don't know if you ever become an expert in the maritime industry, but you know, I can dock a boat on uh, under most circumstances and of any size up to 85 feet, I guess, is the biggest boat I've run. Um, you know, I can do really good planning. Uh, I can be very safe on the water with somebody's vessel unless there's, you know, some surprise that you can't plan on. But um, I haven't encountered many barriers. People today don't seem to mind uh, that you're a woman. And in some cases, I think I've won the jobs because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy that I'm running the boat up with from Florida hired me for that reason, that and my background. He had two other male captains lined up and for less money. And he liked my resume and liked the fact that I was a woman. He's got a 16-year-old daughter who's you know, was on the boat with us. And so perhaps I got the job for, you know, some of those reasons. Um, but no, no, not, no real barriers. No real barriers. Good. So what's been your favorite delivery so far? Um, 
Is there a favorite boat or a favorite route that you have? Hmm. Loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to think because, um, you know, as I expand the waters that I get to navigate and, and learn, um, you know, that's always exciting to me. I guess one of my favorite trips was on a 77-foot azimuth. I ran that from Boston down to Baltimore um, and then up to Brick and then back to Baltimore. So I got a little time on that boat and... It was just so dialed in and mechanically worked so well and was so responsive. I really enjoyed that boat. Um, galleons are Polish boats, and not because of my ethnic background, but <laughs> <laughs> they're really well-made boats, and they're very simple to, to manage. So, um, you know, that's fun. Favorite, really. I, I I just ran up to Maine with a boat for a customer, and boy, that was a wonderful trip. I've not gotten that high on the East Coast, and it's beautiful up there. So, yeah. um, you know, just having those experiences of doing something new, paying attention, seeing the different wildlife in the different areas. Um, the marinas are different everywhere, even though there's similarities. All marinas, you know, have slips and docks, obviously, and some with fuel pumps, but the, just the settings are beautiful, so right. um, I, don't, I can't say I have a particular favorite. So in terms of advancing your maritime career, um, are there people, are there moments that um, are sort of decisive factors in saying, okay, I'd like to go this direction with my career? Um, because I think a lot of people hit crossroads in their maritime career, and there's so many different ways they can go. Um, how do you personally decide, okay, this is the direction I'd like to head? Well, I guess the opportunity to run um, with Alpine last fall and, and learn a little bit about the commercial industry was uh, somewhat of a turning point. Um, it opened my eyes to the commercial side. It opened my eyes to the survey business. And, um, and so that's when I said, you know what, I'd like to get credentialed because if I do have the opportunity, then I'll be ready. And if it never comes about, that's okay because I'm going to learn a whole lot of stuff that I, I can use a lot of. Um, and it's just going to make me more qualified even if I continue to do what I'm doing today. Right. So that was definitely a turning point for me. Um, do I know if I'm going to work full-time in that industry? I can't tell you that right now. I really enjoy the recreational business, and I've gotten more comfortable with the unpredictability of it. Uh, commercial work would be, you know, a daily job. Right. But I would like, the, I would like to do it. If it happens, great. Um, when I, I'm hoping I'll be ready when, when a potential offer comes in. Uh, but if not, uh, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and just get better at it. So with that, you'd recommend to um, individuals in the maritime industry to advance their credentials, even necessarily if there isn't a job immediately lined up. I think um, what, what I'm sort of getting at is it's better for people to be prepared uh, for that opportunity to come versus not being able to take the opportunity because they didn't go get the uh, expanded credentials? I would say absolutely. Um, you know, having gone through a lot of education on my own, it's something nobody can take away from you, right? The more you know, the more prepared you're going to be. 
um, even for whatever it is that you do, whether you need those credentials or not. If you decide at some point that you want to change gears, and, you know, opportunity knocks a lot of times. It's not because you're looking for it, but because somebody's looking for you and you happen to run into them. Mm-hmm. And so the more prepared you can be in the industry, I think the better your chances are of having a door open that maybe you didn't even consider. Right. So, um, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing with you guys. There you go. Open the doors. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a very prominent person in my life who likes to call a captain's license uh, your insurance. It's uh, it's an opportunity waiting. Um, for those who don't know, the maritime industry is one of the highest paying industries in the U.S. And so um, even if you don't have the opportunity, maybe you know, you're like Captain Janet and temporarily um, you're in the health industry. Uh, but having that that ticket in your back pocket is is something that's invaluable, and so. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, my dad uh, said to me a long time ago, "Whatever you do in life, try to make sure it's a licensed job." Right. Because a license is a ticket to a profession. It's a ticket to a good career, um, and it's going to put food on your table every day. Yep. Uh, if you don't have that license, then you're going to be in a bucket with a million fish, right? So uh, getting the license was always important, and therefore I went for a nursing license first, and then this captain's license next. I was a 50-ton captain uh, when I first started because I didn't have experience on larger boats. So I worked really hard in the first couple of years to get on larger boats and put in my time, and now I'm a 100-ton captain, and I think... If I can, as I continue to go in the industry, you know, I'm hoping to get up to the 200 ton level. I don't know if there would be any reason for me to go higher than that. But again, it would just be an opportunity to be able to run the larger vessels. And of course, with all the endorsements I'm collecting, um, you know, I'll be prepared in that that way as well. Right. So I think with COVID, there's um, a lot of people in general, no matter what they're doing in their lives, have a lot of hesitation, and it's it's been a big pause for everyone. Um, yeah. But truly, the the maritime industry itself um, is predicted to double in size over the next couple decades, um, which is, mm. if you consider that, that's pretty incredible because it's already a massive industry. Um, mm-hmm. What do you say to people who are potentially hesitating to? pursue this industry due to what's going on? Uh, Do you have some words of encouragement to say, uh, get out there, get after it, and so forth? I would say that you have to know where your comfort zone is, but don't let your comfort zone uh, give you analysis paralysis kind of stuff. I mean, there's great opportunity now to study online, um, and keep going with education in that regard. If you're not an online person, then you're going to have to wait because classrooms will open eventually, but not immediately. Uh, but there's, if you're going to want to do anything in your life, you're going to have to get after it. And so setbacks will always be a part of our lives. You know, mm-hmm. we're human beings. We're going to have setbacks, some of us more than others. Um, you just have to kind of rise to the occasion, pull up your bootstraps, and keep marching forward. Uh, in the face of adversity, and, and even in the maritime industry, 
one of my scariest jobs, I was uh, running a boat by myself, which I don't do too often uh, unless I absolutely have to, but this was an early silly decision. Um, I looked at all of the data from the weather, all of the sea state information. I knew if how far, this is a customer's boat I've been running for a couple of years. Martha's Vineyard, I was going to meet another captain down in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Full day of running, good boat. I thought, and, and the sea state was predicted to be less than one foot in the Atlantic Ocean, so I made a beeline out of Martha's. I knew I had to stop in Shinnecock to fuel up, but then, boom, I was headed to Atlantic City. An hour after I left Shinnecock, all heck broke loose. <laughs> the weather system changed. I'm now in like five and six footers in this boat. Wow. I'm by myself. I'm four and a half hours away from... Uh, you know, the nearest port, I'm 35 miles offshore, I'm, I'm petrified, I'm wearing a type 1 life vest, standing, you know, with my feet six feet apart or as far as I could get them. Um, at any rate, I say this because I, I think that particular run taught me that when you're in a boat, you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. You need to just keep going. And whether those were bad decisions or not, whether it was unpredictable and unfair, oh well. So when you ask about moving forward through something like uh, COVID, you know, when you're land-based, you have options to stay inside and wait for it to end, or you can just keep going. And that day on the boat, I didn't have an option. I had to get that boat somewhere. I wound up stopping in Brick, by the way. I went out, got off in the Madisquan uh, Inlet. I ended the trip early. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. But... Um, you know, totally not ready for that. No indication that that was going to happen. So, um, so I think just like in life, you just kind of have to keep getting up and, you know, putting your pants on every day and moving. Right. Um, in our second episode of Maritime Matters, we talk about adapting to ambiguity or adaptability. And I think the maritime industry above pretty much almost all industries forces you to be able to adapt. Um, have most of your lessons learned on the water been from those types of scenarios where you're kind of caught in a scenario that is unfamiliar and is perhaps, um, we won't say dangerous, but it, it's, it kind of makes your hair stand a little bit. Um, what's that like and where do those learning experiences come from? Uh, yeah, I've had, you know, I think that is the maritime industry. Uh, only so much of it can be predicted from, you know, environment to navigation, uh, you know, your buoys and markers, to uh, shoaling, to time on the water. You may plan a day and then have to slow down for one reason or another. An engine, you have to shut it down because it's overheating. Now you've only got one engine. Thankfully, you had two to begin. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all, all of those things happen. You know, longer days than you had planned and you're getting tired at the end of the day. Um, silly things like going to the bathroom. Right, right. <laughs> Sometimes on smaller boats, uh, you got to adapt to some circumstances that you wouldn't normally if you were home. So. Right. Um, so there's lots of adapting to do when running a boat. Um, and I've had many of those experiences. Seasickness. Yeah, as much as I've been on a boat, every once in a while, 
I'll get into something that makes me seasick. Now, if you've been seasick, you know that you do not want to be anywhere. You want to be just home in your own bed. Yeah. You can't go below. You've, you've got to pay attention. You've got to stay as part of the crew um, or drive on your own if you're the only one on the vessel. So you've got to fight through all of those things um, from that perspective. The other things are I've met some uh, folks from other countries that work in the commercial on the commercial side that – you know, it's just fascinating. They 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 bring a whole different flavor to the social dynamic of um, being on you know a larger ship, let's say, with people who come from Trinidad or come from Mexico or come from you know uh, Denmark or so. It, it, there's a, a an adjustment there, and how do you deal with people from other cultures that? may not understand jokes the same way or may right. not have the same terminology you do or right so there's another adjustment so it's all i find it so much fun um sometimes not but in the end it makes for a good story uh but yeah there's a lot of adapting to do i find over the last few years things right. that you would you can't plan really right. plan for the unexpected that's how you plan now would you say that most um instances in terms of getting caught in those situations came from as a result of lack of experience as um, maybe a human judgment error or human error I find a lot of the times um, even with things not operating well in the system of the vessel we look back at perhaps three years ago uh, person X um, performed service on that item and perhaps they didn't put it back exactly correctly and three it took three years but all of a sudden you've got a mechanical fail, failure so mm -hmm. um, i think a lot of those experiences perhaps come from human error and it, it takes those experiences to to overcome and understand and and grow as a person in, in terms of your knowledge yeah without a doubt without a doubt um the recreational industry is very busy right now. People have, have purchased boats through the winter. They continue to purchase boats because they see it as an escape from their home um, to get out on the water. Uh, this gentleman I was just running up from Marco Island, you know, the heat exchanger blew on the starboard engine and mm -hmm. we had water all over downstairs. Right. Uh, and, and there were some other issues as well. So um, part of it, I think, is that the recreational industry in particular is being pushed to produce and so it's harder and harder to produce a, a product with the level of attention and quality that's necessary um, not because people want to make mistakes I think it's just you know we got to get the next one out and the next one out and the next one out and so you know people may just not have the time to put in the level of quality that they're capable of you know the other thing is we're in a society now where we're constantly being uh interrupted right right we keep our cell phones years ago you didn't have a cell phone if you weren't in an office or in a building you couldn't get a call from anybody somebody'd have to come find you right <laughs> um today we're at everybody's beck and call and so you could be in the middle of something and you get a call now you got to stop what you're doing and, and depending on how long that call goes or what it what it was about, now you're thinking in another direction while you're still trying to do the first job. And so um, 
getting your head back in the game. Where did I leave off? How many turns of a, you know, this particular screw did I do? Is it tight enough? Is it not tight enough? You know, did I put the gasket in there just right? Um, all of those things become more challenging, I think, for uh, the production end and from the distraction end. Right. So really as a delivery captain, you've, you've got to have a lot of skills. Um, that comes to navigation. It comes to boat handling. It comes to being a marine engineer. Um, has it been a steep learning curve for you over the past six years? Um, or over the course of your lifetime, have you sort of found that you can look back to experiences and you have sort of this, this knowledge, uh, back there that you're able to pull from, uh, due to life experience? Um, I think I would, well, um, I was fortunate to have this mentor, right? And right. so I was able to ask him a lot of questions and I'm probably was the most annoying person in the beginning. <laughs> um, but I learned the navigation pretty quickly. I mean, when you're out there, you're doing it. Um, learning the systems has been a little more of a curve for me because I didn't grow up um, around boats. I didn't grow up in a factory that I saw boats being built. Um, I never took a mechanics course. So a lot of what I know today is because I've had to learn it on the fly. Right. Um, of all of my weaknesses, I would say that the mechanical end is probably my largest weakness. I just um, haven't had enough of those experiences and didn't take a formal class to really understand, um, you know, enough about that. So anytime I put myself out to a customer, I let them know I have some basic skills here, but I am not going to be able to put your heat exchanger back on if it <laughs> falls off. Yep, that yep. is not in my toolbox. So, and, and most people have been okay with that, you know? Um, I haven't had anybody say, well, you don't, you're not, I, I, I have been told, you know, the more you know, the better, uh, the, the more comfortable people are going to be with you because there is a level of expectation that you have some mechanical skills. Right. Um, you know, fix a toilet that the vacuum is running and running and running. And why is that? And tracing that system back and realizing that the little, the little ball in the toilet didn't close right. Now right. you got to adjust that and. Right, but those are things that you kind of learn when you encounter them, um, and you call somebody up who maybe has more information than than your knowledge base. So, um, so yeah, that that would be probably the thing that I have the most challenge around and need and always on the lookout. You know, when the mechanics come on board, I'm like right behind them, uh, trying to learn as much as I can as they're going through their checklist or whatever they do. So, right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, again, we appreciate you being our student above, above all things. And uh, it's always exciting to chat with women in maritime. Um, so to hear your story has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me and, uh, keep up the great work that you're doing. I'm looking forward to taking a few more courses with you guys and, uh, actually getting to the school. Um, I see your school because I go into New Bedford uh, harbor there. To, I, I was just there a couple weeks ago, and I think your school has uh, what color is the roof? Is like a blue. Yeah. So the main building is is a tall. It's a former church. Uh, former church. Uh, it's got that, a steeple. Yeah. And it's got a mm -hmm. 
a nice brand new blue metal roof. Um, the roof was in need of repair last year. So, um, that went on and, um, kind of see it from further away now, which is fun. Yeah. So I will, uh, I will, uh, be looking forward to coming up and, and spending some time actually on your campus. Well, we're excited to have you. So, all right. Well, thanks for right. everything and have a wonderful day. Yeah. Be safe on the rest of your journey. All right. Thanks, Morgan. Take care. Mm hmm.